Hi, and welcome to Womb to Tomb. This is Anne DeSantis with the St. Raymond Anatis Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith at nonatis.org. I am joined by Bill Snyder, the founder of Patchwork Heart Ministry at patchworkheart.org, and Mickey Kelly, who is the president of the St. Raymond Anatis Foundation, and also a valued member of the pro-life community in the Philadelphia area. So we're so grateful to all of you for joining us as this is a collaborative effort between three ministries. We also want to thank Fiat Ministry Network and our friends, uh, Kent Kolhoski and Jennifer Sinclair, for sharing this show, this podcast out all over the place on social media. And so the, the topic of this evening's program is womb to tomb. And we really want to unpack and talk about during this Lenten season, you know, the value of every single human life and that every life counts. And, you know, as Catholics and as Christians and as people of faith, we, we recognize the fact that that life begins at conception. And so well, let me just start out with you, Bill. Um, maybe you can give us some feedback and some discussion on your own you know, opinion, because, you know, you're a dad now. Bill Snyder is a new father. His, his son, Elvin, is nine months old. And you were able to go through that entire process with your wife of her being pregnant. Uh, what was that like for you, Bill, in being able to see that brand new life being brought into the world? Yeah, um, you know, it's beautiful. I have a nine-month-old son. Uh, I, I like to say he has been uh, out of the womb as long as he has been in, in the womb, right? Uh, he's he's kind of like in that perfect uh, age right there, nine months in, nine months out. Um, but it was an amazing process to walk through uh, pregnancy and and birth um, for the first time as as a dad with with my wife Agnes. Um, it was it was amazing. Um, first of all, the strength of my wife. Um, there were some. Um, complications with the pregnancy, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, but, but it wasn't the world's easiest pregnancy either. Uh, Agnes certainly had to go through a lot. There was a lot of different, uh, doctors and, and people taking a look at things, uh, mainly because, um, I am a survivor of three open heart surgeries and I had a congenital heart defect. So the doctors were really tuned in on my son, Elvin's heart development to make sure that, you know, in utero, he had four full chambers and that there was no defect. Um, and praise God, he has a perfect heart. <laughs> that's, you know, that's awesome. Um, so, so the prayers worked um, and, and, and God is good, but um, throughout that process, it, it, it's stressful, right? But I think there's that realization um, that this is another life and very, very early on. Like, I mean, I've known that my whole life as a Catholic, I believed that, you know, from life from conception uh, till natural death is sacred. But when you walk through it for the first time, there is this realization that, man, this, you have a responsibility to protect this life. Uh, and you have a responsibility um, as, as a man to protect your wife through that process. Um, so, you know, plenty of late night walks and, you know, driving things to the store and you know, a whole bunch of different things that would happen uh, to, to make sure my wife was supported. Um, and, and of course, in the hospital as well. Right. You know, you're going through um, 
you know, we were in the hospital a little bit of an extended stay again, you know, more checkup on my, my uh, son's heart and stuff like that after he came out uh, after he was born. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, you know, you're there for four days, you know, in the hospital, sleeping on a cot or whatever. And um, there's a real uh, sense of sacrifice, but then there's also a real sense of um, I've got to protect this life. And now I'm in charge of it. And, um, you know, as, as mainly a stay at home dad with, with my son um, today, I mean, it being, being nine months of, of, uh, you know, being, being a stay at home dad and really tuning into um, to him. Yeah. Here I am protecting life. So absolutely. It, it's a beautiful journey, a beautiful walk. And, and I'm so grateful to know you and to be able to have watched this occur in your life because you and I, for people who are watching this and don't know, is that you and I are also podcast hosts with the Sewing Hope podcast uh, on Patchwork Heart Ministry YouTube channel. And so I just want to invite everybody to go to patchworkheartradio.org and subscribe because Bill and I have done a lot of podcasts with wonderful people and, and grateful that I've been able to watch that process with you and Agnes and, and your beautiful son, Alvin, Elvin Francesco. And so uh, thank you for sharing that because, you know, this, this show is entitled From Womb to Tomb. And as the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation, who we are, we're all about ministering to families in crisis. And let's face it, some of those families in crisis are those who make those decisions although it's tough, decide to keep the child that their wife or girlfriend, whoever it is, and decide, you know what, this life is so worth it. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Every single life means something. Um, and with that said, I want to bring on M Mickey Kelly, uh, who has done so much in the pro-life world as he prays in front of abortion facilities every week in the Philadelphia area. So Mickey, you know, tell us in, in your words, why is it and how is it that you got involved with pro-life and what do you like about working to help to educate and also to pray for those families and those women who are making tough choices? Well, and it kind of started, I would say, when I was 18 years old, I've been getting invitations from a neighbor of mine. And at the time I was... Um, a member of the Knights of Columbus, thanks to my dad. And I kind of brushed the invitation off here and there. Like I was attending seminars. I was attending individual masses. It probably wasn't until like I was, I'd say fast forward a few months later, which was April, 2009. And it was good Friday. And I finally mustered the, the courage to pray outside of, a Planned Parenthood, which is on the edge of Northeast Philadelphia. And I remember we were praying on a sidewalk near a parking lot at a uh, Planned Parenthood that's on Conley Road. It's like not far from where Kraft's uh, factory used to be. And I was surrounded by high school students, some seasoned pro-life warriors. Fast forward about a couple months later, I found out that there was a Planned Parenthood that was in downtown Center City, Philadelphia. The one that was subject that was a subject of the um, the Brian Sims scandal, I like to call it. And I've been faithfully praying out there for over ten years. And then 
about up to about 11 years ago, I actually wound up praying in front of the Philadelphia Women's Center, which murders about 6,500 babies a year. The irony is this facility here sits five floors above a daycare center. And it's very shocking too. like you're murdering future, you know, your, you know, future, uh, you know, clients of, you know, your, your business that, you know, you sit five floors below a, a place that's murdering, you know, 90% African-Americans year in and year out. It, it really, it, it, every time, like and when I'm there during the week, what's, what really gets to me is I see kids coming out, you know, you know, two by two, and they're going to maybe like a playground nearby, they're going to some kind of a field trip, whatever it is. And then next thing you know, I see minutes later, I see a mom coming out and she is scarred, not just physically, but mentally for the rest of her life. And that is something that just really haunt, it, it hurt. It, not only just does it haunt me, but it also just really startles me. And I know, of course, you know, you have Bill that is, you know, first of all, Bill, I just do want to congratulate you and your wife. I know the first birthday's coming up for little Elvin. And I know you guys are probably going to be preparing for that sooner or later. One of the things that I mean, that I think that something has been lacking in today's manhood is the, is the, the willingness to, you know, drop everything and make some sacrifices for, you know, the girlfriend, the fiance, or the, the wife, so to speak. And unfortunately, too, the root of many of these abortions is the misuse of sex. But of course, we're going to get to that eventually, too, maybe for another episode. But, and of course, and we have spoken with some missionaries from the Culture Project, even Generation Life over the years. And they, they, they have echoed time and time again. And even some of our close colleagues, too, that the problem with the problem with abortion is not just about my body, my choice, is the fact that sex is misused too much. Even Fulton Sheen once said that we must learn to love people and use things, not use people and love things. And he does have a point when it comes to the misuse of sex, because sex is it's is a gift from God for a man and woman who love each other and they agreed to wait to give each give of each other on on their wedding night you know well said because there is a miseducation right that some people don't understand what you just said and what sex is about and when a child has to die so that two people can, you know, do as they please. You know, I know Mother Teresa said something in that regard, you know, so that we can live as we please, that a child must die. You know, that, that whole idea of, of choosing an abortion over life, right? We're choosing our own will instead of what God wills. And so um, with that said, I don't know, if, Bill, if you wanted to share anything, because you learned so much, Bill, over these last months taking care of your son. If somebody's watching this video and they're thinking, you know what, I'm pregnant and I'm thinking of having an abortion. What, what, can, what can they expect if they decide to keep that child? Can you talk about some of the 
positive aspects of parenthood that you think that might make an effect on people who are contemplating actually not having their child and having an abortion? Oh, sure. Um, you know, I, I, I think that there are so many amazing blessings to having a child. Now, look, um, by, by saying all of these blessings, I, I don't want you to think that there are not hardships. <laughs> there are plenty of hardships that there are um, to, to having children, and it's difficult. But, um, you know, I often uh, tell my son, you know, when he is, you know, acting out or gets angry um, or whatever, and then he, uh, and again, he's only nine months old, he doesn't really know what he's doing, but, <laughs> but, but then uh, all of a sudden, you know, he'll kind of look at me, you know, and, and I'll look at him, I'm like, dude, you got to stop, you know, you got to stop it out. And he'll just smile, you know, and he'll smile his big smile, start laughing and giggling and everything. And I, I joke with them, you know, I, I say, Elvin, do you really think that that smile is going to make me forget what you just did? Like, you know, I joking around, but of course it does, you know, like, yeah, he may have just, you know, hurled some green beans on the floor or, uh, you know, sprinkled, you know, Spanish rice all over my kitchen, you know, and, and, uh, and then, and then smiles and he goes, ah, yeah, like, you know, and it's, and it's so cute and it's so amazing, you know, and yeah. So, you know, sucking the uh, green beans up with the vacuum off the floor, um, you know, is, is a, you know, is a joy. It, it doesn't bother. It's, it's incredible. You know, um, there's all of these moments um, that you have to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be sleepless nights. Um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, more, uh, just last night, just last night, I, he was up at three o'clock in the morning, three ten, giving him a bottle, uh, you know, and rocking him back to sleep. But what an amazing, what an amazing thing, right? Like, you know, there's, there's this, um, joyful suffering, right? It's joyful suffering. Um, so, you know, I, I think putting your life on hold or saying that, um, you know, oh, I, you know, I don't want to have children now or um, saying something along the lines of, man, I'm going to get an abortion because I can't handle this. Man, let, let me tell you, even when you're at your breaking point, there is something beautiful about about holding that child in your hands, uh, you know, holding my son in my hands as they rock him to sleep. And it becomes less and less now. I mean, he was born at six pounds and he's now almost. Uh, oh my gosh, what is he over 20, uh, 24 pounds and 31 inches. So he's, you know, getting to the point where like, it's, you know, to the point where now I can't like have those little moments of like the little six pound baby in my hands. Um, so, yeah, and all he wants to do is get up and, you know, crawl around and play with toys in our living room. So, um, yeah, it, there's something that is just so beautiful about it. And you're going to treasure every moment when you choose life. Let me just tell you, you're going to treasure every moment, the difficulties, yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're there. Um, you're going to have the sleepless nights. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. You know, they are going to vomit. They are going to throw up, um, you know, on your favorite clothes and stuff like that. You know, I, I don't need to sugarcoat parenthood for you, but at the same time, um, you know, there's such a joy, man, when you look in their eyes, they just know, wow. Right. It's just incredible. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. And I know that fatherhood has really changed your life for the better. And motherhood has changed to Agnes. Oh, sure. And, and, and no matter what your circumstances, even if you don't have the money or the resources, 
uh, that human life that comes into your heart. You know, we can never replace human relationships with things or with success or with degrees or money or houses or apartments. I mean, people are really God's gift to all of us, aren't they? And especially our own kids. Um, Mickey, I didn't know if you had anything you wanted to share because you've seen the turnarounds in what you do, people who have decided not to have an abortion, people who've gotten help and resources after they've decided to keep their child. Uh, can you share a little bit on those things? Actually, and there are a couple of times that I have seen, it's mostly like the women that kind of turn around. Very rarely I do see couples, but oftentimes I would hear maybe after the fact, how at first like the the boyfriends or you know the special love interest of the woman uh, I don't know how you want to characterize it but that I've heard that like at first they were kind of like hostile towards the pro-lifers they were like thinking that like they're wasting their time and but let's face it pro-lifers are not wasting their time it's those that um it's those that are doing is those that are doing the devil's work that are wasting their time. Um, I would say one of the things that I have seen is that I remember hearing phrases like, thank you for being here. I'm not doing it anymore. Every now and again, it would take, like, I, I, I kind of think of it as like a Hail Mary pass. Maybe like the boyfriend is like hanging around at the gate or something in like kind of like this like courtyard where they're probably hanging outside, maybe have like a light in a joint or something. We try like to talk to them. Sometimes like the escorts, it's like most like a female too would like kind of like shield us. And this guy would probably like hide behind the, the woman escort. Wow. The feminism at work in that right. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I think one of the things that, that I, I think that what it takes is, is that, you know, it's like, you know, just your, your peaceful presence. I, I mean, like not everyone's going to be perfect at this. I mean, I have struggled with it from time to time. And believe when I tell you, because like my, uh, my natural thing to do when I'm outside these facilities, I just, I just normally lead the praying, you know, whatever it takes to keep, you know, filling that, that alley or that corner, that street, that facility with prayer, whether there's an evil presence out there or if that place is closed unexpectedly. And there have been times where it has closed. Like, you know, for in-service days, maybe there was an electric fire, whatever the case is. But one of the, I, I think what, what it boils down to is it takes perseverance to really get through these people during their hour of great need. And it's not easy at all. But I think it's that's some that's something that a lot of pro-lifers have on their side. It's not just God, but they also have the virtues. They have, you know, perseverance, and it also takes a fervent prayer life too for at least for a save or two to happen. And 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 believe and after it all happens, I have seen the friendships formed by pro-life and like pro-lifers with the mom who could have went through with the price with, with through with the abortion and they form like a lifelong connection with them. Like, it's not just like, Oh, it's great. You gave birth. We see you later. No, no, no. 
what sets the Pearl Lifers apart from pro-death posse, like, you know, Planned Parenthood, whatever the case is, is that these Pearl Lifers form lifelong friendships that will last an entirety. And if they, if they struggle or whatever, they're there. I have seen, and, and also, too, there are pro-lifers willing to offer things like job skills, helping them do things like cooking, um, cleaning, crafting, whatever the case is. Help them harness some skills that they are lacking and then, you know, apply those skills, you know, for whatever the future endeavor is, whether it's for, their, for themselves or their child. And I think that's something that the pro boards. Even the communist news networks seem to forget that. They don't even look at that at all. But we have to, I think what it takes is perseverance of faith. And also what it takes is our charitable approach to these women during their time of need. And that's how I've seen many of the hearts and minds change. Thank you for sharing, Um, Bill. Thank you for your input about your personal experience with being a father and um, and Mickey, for your experience with the abortion industry and also the praying that you've done. I mean, my experience, which I can share a little bit with our audience, is that um, for people who are very career minded, women who are very career minded and, you know, you might be pregnant and thinking, you know what, I'm going to have this baby and I want to go back to work. And maybe you're not thinking that much about that relationship that you're going to have with that baby. Right. And for me, that was kind of where I was when I had my first child, because I was very excited to be pregnant. I was very excited to have my first child, but I didn't know what to expect in terms of what kind of mom was I going to be and how much time would I want to take with my child when they were babies, you know, and, and that's maybe a topic for a different show. But I guess what my point is to everyone is that I think for all mothers that once you have your first child, your second child, whatever number child you have, um, there's a certain kind of, um, let's say that the Holy Spirit comes over you and you're able to open your eyes and say, oh my goodness, this is a gift. Uh, I want to spend so much time with this baby. I want to be the best parent that I can be. And so for me, who was very focused on work, very focused on what I was doing before I had kids, and, and I really loved my work that I, that I was involved with at the time, but once my first daughter was born, I knew that motherhood was the number one thing. I knew that you know, taking care of my kids and being the best mom that I could be was really what I wanted to do most. And so I think that even people who are very career-minded and very, you know, even maybe someone who's watching this and thinking they're not really sure about motherhood. Um, I, can, I can assure all of you watching this right now that I was one of those people. I was one of those people who was very focused on my work and very focused on my own future. But as soon as I saw my baby's face and as soon as she was born, I knew that I was in the right place when I decided that I wanted to spend as much time, quality time with her and with my, my family and with my future daughter, I have two daughters, um, really made such a huge impact on who I was. Um, and it still does, you know, 
uh, no matter how old you are, because, you know, family is what it's all about, isn't it? And when you decide not to have an abortion, when you decide to say yes to life, you know, you're saying yes to yourself, aren't you? You're saying yes to your own family, your own flesh and blood and your own future. So um, no matter where you are and what your circumstances are, you know, God can help it to make it so that you can be a great mom, no matter what, no, even if you don't have the money or the resources. Uh, Mickey, could you talk a little bit about those resources? Because I know in Philadelphia, we have so many for moms who, you know, maybe they don't have the financial resources right after childbirth. Sure. So there are places that the Pro-Life Union Greater Philadelphia sponsors us as the Kennical, which is in the Juniana section of Philadelphia. We also have the pregnancy centers like Alpha Care. And oftentimes, too, they do collect maternity items. So let's face it, the pregnancy center, the pregnancy crisis, the crisis pregnancy centers, or however we want to phrase it, they they don't just stop the moment they hit goals. They just work on the next one. So let's say, for example, they help um, baby Rachel here, uh, mother Rachel here, achieve the goal that she needs for the baby that's coming along the way. Let's say baby's coming the end of February. And then maybe along the way, they had another client that said no to abortion. And we'll call her baby Shannon. And what they will do is, and also they, they've done work with the Drexel and the University of Penn for Life students, as well as the Catholic centers that are nearby. And what they do is they would coordinate a kind of like a, a re, like kind of like a registry on Amazon, and, or whatever it is. And what they'll do is they'll put a list of some of the baby items that they need. And what they'll do is they'll share it across the like you know social media text, whatever, emails, whatever, and saying like, go to this list, order what you can, and that stuff will be shipped automatically to the pregnancy center. So that's something if what pro-lifers are listening to, something for you to consider. And let's face it, mercy is on the side of the pro-life movement. You know, we've, we're reminded the gospel of Matthew about the final judgment. For I was naked, you gave me clothes. I was hungry, you gave me food. A stranger, you welcome me. And there have been time after time pro-lifers that have, exceed, that have excelled in that final judgment. And there's no question they're going to hear the words, well done and worthy servant. And there have been pro-lifers that have gone before us, and that I've gotten to know, such as the late John Stanton. And I have spoken time and time again, we need to launch this cause for canonization with the Catholic Church. And of course, there's empowering intercessors too, who participated in uh, the early days of like the pro-life which is like Operation Rescue. Those who are not familiar with it, basically what it is, is they will gather outside of an abortion facility and they will block the interest. So they'll keep the moms from going. It wasn't too effective, but they did have moms that did turn away from like the people blocking the entrance and, and what have you. And now that went from, Operation Rescue to now like the Red Rose Rescue. And that's actually been picking up some steam here and there. But I honestly, I, and of course, the, some of them were involved in, the, in those movements and most and many of them have gone to the eternal award. And 
it's just really amazing. It really amazes me like how far the product movement has come, you know, since then. And of course, like also when they were starting, you know, we didn't really have Facebook. We didn't have the smartphones, the iPhones, you know, at that time, you know, you had to like basically give from the heart as John Stead would remind us. And that would be like word of mouth, like where to go, you know, who to contact, you know, about helping, you know, keep your pregnancy, keep your baby and everything, access to adoption and everything, even though the pro boards will try to drown you out, so to speak. You know, I mean, last time I checked, you can't drown out the truth. But, you know, that's something that offends, you know, in this uh, empire of lies that we're kind of living in at the moment. But truth will prevail. Hmm. Truth will prevail. Yeah. I want to thank you for all you do for the pro-life movement. Um, Now, I know we're kind of coming close to the end of this program but I want to remind everybody that we're going to come back for part two, which we're going to talk about uh, the issues of health crisis and also end of life issues for part two of womb to tomb. I also want to mention that for people who live in the Philadelphia area, that on March 26, Saturday, March 26 is the Philadelphia March for Life. And so if you're listening to this after the fact, you know, you can always go to the one next year. But um on, on March 26, 2022, um, check out the prolifeunion.org and get some information about that. It's going to be a wonderful event, and I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of it. Um, Bill, I didn't know if you had any other input, because I know you're, you're out there in Wisconsin, and I know you've been involved in pro-life and inter- interviewed so many people, so many pro-life people. Did you have any other wisdom that you wanted to share with us? Um, you know, I've had the privilege, as you said, of talking to a lot of pro-lifers. Um, and I think the one thing that um, I think I heard, you know, Mickey really talk about and, and you, um, you know, in this, which I think I'll just echo is, you know, prepare yourself um, for the unexpected, right. As a pro-lifer um, you know, out there on the front lines um, or doing interviews with different people um, spreading the pro-life message. Um, I I can just tell you, be prepared for the unexpected. If the other thing is, if you are a, um, if you are pregnant right now, or, you know, you're listening to this, your spouse is pregnant. um, I would say, take some time and prepare, prepare well um, for or what is going to be um, something that you cannot anticipate. This is a life-changing event that no matter how many scenarios you dream up in your head, how many onesies you buy, diapers you prepare, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter until they arrive, right? Um, and so prepare yourself. Well, I read a book, and I'll just toss it out there for people because I absolutely love Matthew Kelly. Um, who is, you know, famous for many of his books, uh, Rediscovering Catholicism. Um, no relation to him, by the way. <laughs> very <good>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up, Mickey. Um, but, but Matthew Kelly wrote a book um, for, for parents called Building Better Families, A Practical Guide to Raising Amazing Children. Um, and I, I just encourage you, uh, to, to read that book, it, I, 
I read it months before Elvin was born. Um, and if you are, you know, um, somebody who is a prospective parent, you know, you're thinking about having children, you are pregnant right now, um, get the book. Um, you know, it's easily, you can find it anywhere books are sold, Amazon at, um, you know, Barnes and Noble, whatever, and get a copy of it for yourself. Because I, I really think there's so much practical advice in that book um, on, on how to build your, your family well uh, and, and start with a good foundation. So, you know, um, and, and I think there's some really good resources in there for defending life. Right. And, and it's, what's nice about it is, you know, yes, we're Catholic. Yes. We have, um, you know, a Catholic perspective here and certainly Matthew Kelly does too, cause he's Catholic, but, um, the, the word practical is the operative word in that, uh, title of the book, because these are things you can implement in your life. It's not some high level theology that you're going to be having to pour over for hours to be able to say, Oh, you know, how do I implement this in my life? Now, here's how, here's how you do it. Um, and lots of examples, lots of suggestions, lots of stories. Um, just like we've shared with you a lot of stories tonight, we believe that stories are a great way to learn. Um, Jesus taught in parables. Um, so the, the more stories we can tell, uh, the, the better off we will be at being good pro-lifers and defending life uh, from womb to tomb. That's right. From womb to tomb. So I think this has been a great episode, a great show. Um, I also want to make a shout out to all of our ministries here. Uh, start out with Patchwork Heart Ministry, which is at patchworkheart.org and also patchworkheartradio.org. Make sure that you subscribe and like to both of those also on the social media platforms too, because Bill's doing really amazing work, not just with what we're doing right now, but he does a lot of podcasts, including with me. It's the Sewing Hope podcast, we, where we interview wonderful people every single week. And also young Catholics respond. And so you really want to find out more about what Bill does. And we've authored a book too, um, which is Hearts Burning Within Us. So if you want to minister to the young people that you know in your life, people who are entering into college or end of high school, uh, be sure to go to uh, patchworkheart.org and check out our book. I'm really excited about that. Um, I also want to talk about the ministry, the foundation that I represent and Mickey represents. You know, Mickey Kelly is the president of the St. Raymond Anatas Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. I'm the director. Uh, we've been in existence since 2015, and our charism is pastoral accompaniment for families in crisis. We're headquartered in Philadelphia, but we're really a national organization that helps people who are affected by crisis. You know, what, what is a crisis? Is it divorce? Could be separation, job loss, relationship issues, pro-life issues, um, you know, any, a lot of other things, you know, sickness, even sometimes emotional um, problems and, and things that you need to talk about. So we offer a free pastoral consultation with a Mercedarian friar who were the ones that founded us. So if you go to our website at nonatis.org, you can learn about us and you can make your appointment. Like I said, it's free. Anybody that you know who has any of those issues that I just mentioned, uh, you can make an appointment and you can get as many appointments as you need to. So that's really a beautiful thing. 
So we're going to see all of you next time, next week for this series called From Womb to Tomb. Please do share this with all your friends. Um, Mickey and Bill, thank you so much for, for putting this together with me. Anytime, man. Thank you for having us. Always a pleasure. So we'll see all of you next time on Womb to Tomb. God bless. <laughs>